Hey, everybody. Uh, I'm Dave Burden. I'm not your fearless leader, Randy Duran, uh, but I uh, have the privilege of being here uh, with you guys this morning. I'm, I'm going to confess right out the gate. Um, I'm, I'm still recovering from being taken down by the vid pretty hard over the break. Uh, Renee and I were just talking about that. She was praying for me. Uh, the brain fog and the fatigue is real. Uh, so if I just stop making sense at any point, just come up and kind of shepherd me off and we'll sing, <laughs> we'll sing some more songs. But uh, happy 2022, or as I'm referring to it now, uh, 2020 thrice <laughs> is what I'm calling it. Uh, I know the end of the year, uh, or maybe the entire past year, or the beginning even of 2022, the fact that a lot of people aren't in this room is evidence that everything uh, isn't going probably how we hope or how we plan. Um, and we kind of continue to face uh, disrupted plans, uh, setbacks, sickness. Uh, maybe many of you are as well recovering from COVID or know somebody who uh, is caught up in the uh, pandemic right now. Uh, you might be in here starting on fumes, but I wanna encourage us um, to not miss the fact uh, that we're gathered here and that you are not starting this new year alone. Uh, the fact that you're in the room is evidence of that, that we're following scripture's call uh, that says this in Hebrews 10, uh, to let us consider how we can spur one another on to love and good deeds. That's what we're doing here this morning. You just being here for one another and with one another is spurring one another on to love, to experiencing the love of God for you and to good deeds, to living in that love uh, for the world around you. And it says there, let's not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encourage one another daily, right? We need daily encouragement uh, because one thing in particular uh, we need encouragement for is, is that we wouldn't become hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Um, so... We're kicking off uh, this morning. What makes this so profoundly complicated is, is every one of our congregations, I'm the pastor of the Creep Hall congregation, had decided uh, to preach their own vision series out of their own scriptures, and everybody was kind of going their own direction. Obviously, as a church, we're all kind of going the same direction, the call that the Lord has on our church life, but... I'm not prepared to preach on what Randy was gonna preach on, so what you're about to get uh, is just a dose of what I was gonna give Creve Hall this morning, and I'm trusting that this is what the Lord has for you to prepare you to receive whatever Randy has for you next week. But we, we often in January, we revisit or we recast God's vision for our church, for our multiple congregations, and why we do that. There's a reason why we do that. And it's this, it's pretty important to regularly come back to and embrace and be recaptured by God's vision for our lives because that isn't a one-time endeavor. It's not a one-time endeavor. Uh, you know, who can, who can recite the Geico commercial? Like, what's the tagline? Come on. On your car insurance, right. Yeah, how many times... How many times did you have to hear that in order to be able to say that? I mean, thousands, right? Every break in a football commercial, right? Embracing and being captured by God's vision for our lives isn't a one-time endeavor. We are chronic gospel amnesiacs, 
right? We are. We forget the gospel all the time. And it's not just that we're uh, inherently forgetful. Scripture actually summarizes three main things that actually work in helping us forget, helping us uh, lose sight of God's vision for our life and our relationship with him. They get summarized uh, by these three categories, the world, the flesh, and the devil. Maybe you've heard that before, that we live in an ongoing battle because we live in a sin-broken or a fallen world. We live in a sin-affected body, you know? We live with this flesh that has fallen. COVID uh, certainly taught me that. And we have an enemy called the devil uh, who is the father of lies. And the combination of those three things oftentimes can lead us to a place of really having a crushed spirit, is what scripture says. Trying to seek to get us to fall out of living into God's vision for our lives. I'd liken us to cars driving down the road. This is kind of how I see our lives. Cars driving down the road that are constantly hitting potholes, or if you were out driving on the roads a couple days ago, sliding into ditches. I don't know how many people you saw just literally kind of careening into ditches. We're like cars driving on the road that are constantly hitting potholes, constantly hitting patches of ice, constantly getting punctures in our tires. Because if, if I think we get this at this point, life isn't a smooth or freshly paved road. I remember when I moved from the north down to the south, I remember thinking, holy cow, every, like the roads down here are just so smooth. But people, when you live up north, you lived ever up in like Michigan area or if you lived up in the northwest, people who live in those difficult climates, they actually expect something, which is, is that I'm going to constantly have to be working and repairing my vehicle constantly working and repairing tires, constantly. I can tell you, since I moved to Nashville, I've never had an alignment on my car. An alignment was an annual thing when you lived in northern Indiana, right? Because when you live in a difficult climate, you understand this is just gonna be a part of it. And, and y'all, we are living in a difficult climate right now. It's a profoundly challenging time. And so it's gonna require intentional ongoing care and maintenance. I would call it gospel garage time. I, I am needing to pull into the gospel garage all the time in order to be reminded of who I am in the Lord, of who the Lord is for me, and to re-embrace and re-grasp and be held really by his vision for my life. Because without vision, scripture says this, that without vision in Proverbs, people perish. We we lose hope and we lose heart. That's what Proverbs says. Hope deferred leads to heart sickness. And this season has been a real interesting season. It's been very easy to have a case of what I call the deadly Ds. I'm gonna read you the deadly Ds. Feeling depleted, feeling discouraged, uh, feeling distracted. I don't know if I've ever felt so distracted. Feeling disoriented, maybe feeling depressed, and, and then the worst of it all is like, I'm just living down in the ditch. I call it ditch dwelling. Any of those deadly Ds are oftentimes, they're like the, the check engine lights on the front of the car saying, hey, it's time to call the gospel tow truck. It's time to pull into the gospel garage. 
It's essential to come back to the very basics of the gospel, the very foundations of what is true about the Lord, about his love for us, and to come to him and come to him together in order to have him restore to us a sense of joy. That's what David prays when he says, restore to me, not just the knowledge. Don't restore to me the knowledge of my salvation. Restore to me the joy of my salvation. Restore to me the hope that I have in you. Restore to me the peace that is mine, that surpasses understanding, that is mine in Christ Jesus. Restore to me the confidence in your character, Lord, in your steadfast love, in your faithfulness and in your promises and in our secure future. So Randy's gonna introduce this to you guys next week. I thought there was gonna be a giant In-N-Out burger sign up here, but you'll see that next week. Uh, I, I was planning on it being here this morning. Uh, he's gonna be talking to you about the In-N-Out vision of Granny White. And I'll let him, I would have loved to just try to imagine where he's heading with that. Oh, there it is. Double the love. Wow, okay. Yes, I will let him lead you in that. <laughs> But I'm calling the series at Creve Hall DTR. Thank you. Some of you just threw up in your mouths thinking about the last time that you had a DTR. Does everybody know what the acronym DTR means? Yeah? Define the relationship. Define the relationship. What that, what a, what a DTR is, is, is when you, you get to a critical point in a relationship where one or both of the parties really needs clarity, wants clarity where there's ambiguity in the relationship. They're asking questions like this. This is what a DTR does. It's like, where, where do we stand, right? Where are we at? Where's this headed, right? Where do you want it to go? In January, I mean, the beginning of a new year oftentimes is a, is a very natural DTR month. Like many of you are already doing this in, in the form of resolutions or commitments that you're hoping to keep in this new year, right? You're, you're having DTRs, you're making decisions about your relationship to your job or to your work, how much you're gonna work, where you're gonna work, what you're gonna do. Many of us are making DTRs with our body or with our health, whether that's our physical health or whether that's our mental, emotional health. Many of us are having kind of internal DTRs about our relationships and our community. What's the landscape of that gonna look like for the next year? Some of us are having DTRs, making plans about how we're gonna parent our children perfectly this year. <laughs> yeah, good luck, no joke. So for our community at Creve Hall, one of the things that I'm really gonna challenge us in over these next few weeks, and I guess maybe in all honesty, maybe the Lord wants me to challenge y'all with it to really prepare you and what Randy's gonna lead you guys in over the next few weeks. As we start this new year, I'm asking us to consider having a DTR in a few areas with ourselves and with the Lord. And really it's this, would you ask the Lord or have a vision that in 2021 that we would as a community, as a church body, collectively seek to let the Lord and his steadfast love for us define our relationship to him. That's the first thing. 
Let the Lord and his steadfast love for us define how we relate to him. Secondly, would we let the Lord and his steadfast love for us define how we relate to his body? There's a lot of that in the double to love, Midtown Moms, his body, the church. And lastly, would we let the Lord and his steadfast love for us define how we relate to the world that we find ourselves in? Because that's what we see in this early Acts church. And I'm just gonna read you a section of Acts 2 here. Actually, I was supposed to read this a little earlier. This Acts church, it's a spirit-filled church, a church of basically brand new Christians where the Holy Spirit is moving in their lives. And as a result of those who had been cut to the heart by the gospel, captured by the gospel, they begin to live in a very defined way in relationship to the Lord, in relationship to one another, and in relationship to the world. So this is Acts 2, 37 to 42, or 47. This is at the very tail end of a sermon that Peter's preaching in Jerusalem right after Pentecost, okay? The Holy Spirit has descended. There's wild things going on. uh, And Peter, uh, who was a chronic coward, right, is now standing up in Jerusalem and and testifying uh, to the gospel, And it says this at the end of his sermon, when the people heard this, his sermon, they were cut to the heart and they said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? You hear it? What what do we do? How do we respond to what we've just heard? And Peter replied, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit The promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words, he warned them and pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted the message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and prayer. And everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. And all the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold their property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. This is God's word. What we see going on in the Acts church, this is right at the beginning, the very beginning of the church, is we see this spirit-filled church stepping into a very, very defined, devoted, in certain ways, relationship to the Lord. Their relationship to him took on new devotions because of the relationship he had established with them. They were devoted to the apostles' teaching. They were devoted to fellowship. They were devoted to breaking of bread. They were devoted to prayer. And those four things, it was like a, powerhouse 
the way that those four things were being used in the life of this Acts church. Because this new defined relationship that they had with the Lord, it took on and it manifested itself in these new devotions. And these devotions, these things that they devoted themselves to, actually deepened their experience of this new relationship they had with the Lord. You see how that works? The new defined relationship leads to the devotions, and then the devotions actually lead us back into a deeper experience of the relationship. That's really natural. I mean, when you think about the relationships that you have, we, we actually really do desire to have definition to the relationships that we have with things that we love and the things that we experience love from, right? The things that we love, like our marriages, if you're married, you, the, those relationships have, have contours, have, have defining realities to them, to our work life, with our children, with our friendships, even with things like our material possessions and our hobbies, right? When we love something and when we're loved by something, we, we have a defined relationship with those things. I'm discovering through the disappointment of losing my taste and my smell completely that I have a defined relationship to Mexican food <laughs> that I was unaware of. I have <laughs> lost my ability to taste good salsa and queso, and so it is hard to love and to be committed to queso, <laughs> right, when I can't taste it. When we love something, and we, when we're loved by something, we want that relationship to have definition, to be marked by certain devotions. But I'm gonna confess something to you this morning, and it's this. Often, I find that when it comes to my relationship with the Lord, that there's this temptation, and that there's, this, there's actually a battle going on, a spiritual battle going on in my flesh, a spiritual battle going on in this world, a spiritual battle going on because I have an enemy that doesn't want me to actually live in a defined relationship with Jesus Christ. That enemy in my flesh, my sin, really wants to leave things kind of vague, kind of undefined. And the flesh and our sin, Paul talks about this in Romans 7. He talks about this battle between the new self and the old self, the spirit-led self and the flesh. There's a battle going on in myself and with this enemy that works to create resistance to me having a really clearly defined relationship to the Lord. And actually, kind of the suggestion I hope I'm making sense here. This might be the time where you kind of push me off the stage, all right? The suggestion of my flesh and the suggestion of the enemy is this. Why don't you have what we would kind of culturally understand more as an open relationship? Where I'm kind of free to adjust the dynamics of the relationship, the kind of cadence of the relationship as I want or as I desire. Keep it open. Keep your options open. Because in that, in that way, I can kind of keep 
his expectations of me low, maybe even my expectations of him low. Spend time when I feel like spending time, but maintain the freedom to kind of give my attention and my energies or my affections elsewhere if I see those things more profitable, more meaningful, more important, more pressing. It's oftentimes even I, I, my flesh and the enemy wants me to really seek to have defined relationships in every other area of my life except for this one. And there's a problem with that. And the problem is this, is that that sort of undefined, open relationship is not the type of relationship that the Lord has made us for, that he's created us for, to be with himself or to be with his body or to be with the world around us. And when Jesus summed up the law, he basically said this, what, what, what are we called to? What's the kind of relationship I'm called to live in? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all. You hear that? All. All your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and all your strength. And as a result, love your neighbor as yourself. That's a defined relationship, a defining relationship. We're not meant to live in an undefined relationship to the Lord or his body or the world around us. And mainly it's because of this. Jesus doesn't have an open relationship with you and with me. He has a deeply defined and deeply committed relationship to us. And the main mark that defines his relationship to you and to me is this. It's his devotion to us at great cost to himself. That's what defines his relationship to us, is his devotion. We see the Acts Church devoted, but their devotion actually stemmed in and flowed out of his devotion that came at great cost to himself. That's what we celebrate when we come to the communion table. And that's what Peter was preaching about to these people in Jerusalem that day. That God loves us so much, double the love, right? You're headed there next week. He loves us so much that the insurmountable debt and eternal distance, because that was the nature of our relationship before what Jesus Christ did. There was distance in the relationship. That's what defined our relationship to him. Space, you know, remember Spanglish, no space. He's eliminating the space. God loves us so much that the insurmountable debt and the eternal distance that sin created between us and him, he was saying, I am unwilling to accept that as, as the nature of our relationship. And I'm gonna close that distance entirely at my own cost and I'm gonna define our ongoing relationship permanently. It's defined and it's defined by my devoted and my steadfast love, not yours. That's why you can rest in what Paul says in Romans 8, that there is nothing able, nothing, not your sin, not your feelings, nothing that is able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. The sermon that Peter preached that cut him to the heart is just one of many places in scripture that proclaims this. 
God has been DTRing Certainly since the fall, Scripture would say before the creation of the world, he chose us in him. He has defined the relationship. That's what every promise in Scripture, every covenant in Scripture, every prophecy in Scripture is proclaiming. It is shouting, I've DTR'd. I've defined the relationship between us. I'm committed to you. I'm devoted to you. I've doubled the love. I've done your part of it and my part of it. I'm devoted to you, and that is fully expressed. We see the full picture of that. It's in technicolor. At the life and death and resurrection of Jesus, God ultimately, the best picture we have is he DTR'd at the cross. And what is, what is the statement of love at the cross? It's this, I loved you like this. This is what defines our relationship, that kind of love. And because of that, now you can actually experience living in a defined, loving, devoted relationship to me as your Savior, not just your Savior, but as your Lord That's what Peter said right before they asked, what do we do? He says, therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah, who you killed. See, he wasn't afraid of shaming people. And they were cut to the heart. And they said, brothers, what do we do? What do we do? And what did Peter say to him? We read over this stuff, especially if you've been in church, and it's just kind of like church jargon. Repent, which means to actually turn away from your life of sin and turn towards the love and grace that you have in Jesus Christ and walk in a different direction. Repent, right? Be baptized, which is to receive the cleansing for your sin. Receive the forgiveness that's yours in Christ Jesus. And to be baptized into a body, be identified now as a part of this new family of faith. This is your new relationship, your new identity. What else? And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Receive, think about that, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. That's how little distance there is between you and the Lord. That's how defined the relationship is between you and the Lord if you're a Christian. You are the temple of the living God. It doesn't get much more defined than that. And what is the Spirit? The Spirit is a deposit and a guarantee of God's promises and the blessing of his ongoing presence while we wait, while we struggle, while we groan. What did Peter say to them? after he preached the gospel to them, and they said, with a cut heart, an open heart, what do we do? He says this, let your relationship be defined by something. Let it be defined by the Lord's love for you, by his forgiveness of you, by his grace to you, by his ongoing, never leaving, never orphaning presence with you. Peter said, effectively, he's DTR'd. DTR, 
Let him define your relationship. Because it's only in remaining in that defining love, the defining love of Jesus, the one that puts the definition on your life, that gives purpose to your life, that gives meaning to your life, that gives meaning to our lives in the moments where life feels meaningless and suffering is difficult. It's only in remaining in his love that we experience everything that we need to be those who are defined and devoted in relationship to him. I need that from him to be that towards him. He's given us a new heart. He's given us a new spirit. He's freed us from our bondage to sin and for our bondage to self. He's allowed us and made us able now to follow him and his decrees. He's given us hope and peace and a future and assurance. He's given us himself, and when we get him, we get everything that comes with him. All of the promises of God are yes in Christ Jesus. His relationship to us is defined by his steadfast, devoted love to us, and it's only in remaining in that steadfast, devoted love that we can actually dare to define our relationship to him, to begin to live as those devoted to him, to one another, and to the world around us. So how do we do that? This is the last thing I'll say, and then I, I need to drive over to Creef Hall and see what comes out of my mouth there. <laughs> well, they're cut to the heart, right? What do we do? And he's saying, be defined by what the Lord's done for you. And then out of that, they make a choice. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. How we remain, I hope this is making sense. How we remain and re-experience and rekindle and retaste the defining love of God for us and live in that is by stepping into these four, I really believe it, everything we do at Midtown falls under those four headers. Stepping into these things that the Acts Church, the early church, was devoted to, they were steadfastly, is what that word means, steadfastly giving themselves over to these four essential things, and it literally says they're every day. Not just once a week. I mean, it's great. This is important. The church is, I mean, we say this all the time at Midtown. We don't go to church. You are the church, right? But the church is a people gathered as well. So this is deeply important. Worship is deeply important. But every day they were giving themselves over to these things. The apostles teaching fellowship and breaking of bread and prayer. And those devo devotions, they marked their relationship with the Lord. And they did those things because in doing those things, they were regularly renewed in his ultimate devotion to them. You see that? In being devoted to these things, they experienced his ongoing devotion to them. So these were not New Year's resolutions. These were not... I'm gonna do these things to prove to God that I'm devoted to him. They weren't devoted to prove their relationship to the Lord. They were devoted to improve their relationship to the Lord. 
I'm actually going to improve my experience of what's finished, what's accomplished, what's done. And God has given us these things, his word, one another in fellowship, the sacrament of communion and hospitality in one another's homes and prayer. He's given us these practices to experience him, to have our hearts repeatedly cut. Like there are some cuts you don't wanna heal, guys. There are some cuts you wanna leave open so that they stay tender and able to receive. He wants to continually cut our hearts through those things so that we can be transformed by his love. That's why the enemy does not want you in a devoted relationship to the Lord because he knows that if you experience his devoted love to you, it is going to change your life. And mature people in Christ, Randy will talk about this next week, they change the world. People who are maturing in God's love for them, they mature other people. It changes everything about their relationships to one another and to the world around them. Let me pray for us. Lord, I pray that as we push off into this new year, uh, that you would grant us the grace to see uh, your great devotion to us, Lord. I pray that um, we would not be those who pull up our bootstraps and try to be devoted to you in our own effort, but that it is only in coming to you, repenting even of our, of our sin, of trying to prove ourselves to you, and receiving, uh, Lord, the, the peace and the rest that comes uh, through your Holy Spirit alone. Would you shape us into those who are really defined and devoted to your steadfast love? that we're devoted to remaining in it. And I pray uh, for my brothers and sisters at Granny Wide. I pray for those at Creep Hall. I pray for Midtown, uh, Lord, that like this early church who, who would just not give up the habit of practicing these things together. Lord, that you would do the very thing that you did in this church. That you give us glad and sincere hearts. Lord, that we be a generous community. And Lord, that you would fill us with awe at the many wonders and signs uh, that you're doing and that you're working in the life of our community. We love you, Lord. Thank you. Uh, it's so clear uh, that you love us in your name. Amen. <laughs>